Like many of you, I'm curious about many topics and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers or insights that you're looking for. My name is Costa, welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're gonna hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm personally interested in or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, Adam, thanks again. We just had some technical difficulties, so we're, we're hitting record again here. Uh, thanks again for jumping on the podcast here. Really appreciate it. No, man, absolutely. Excited to uh, excited to be here and chat Bitcoin. It's always fun. For sure, for sure. I'm looking forward to it. Um, if you don't mind, kick things off uh, quickly. If Introduce yourself and tell us uh, what you're up to. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm Adam O'Brien. I'm, uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Bitcoin Well a company that I founded in 2013, uh, kind of right after I found, I found Bitcoin and our journey has been, um, well, pretty standard, I guess, for the space, kind of like found Bitcoin in early 13 and, um, you know, dove right in as everybody listening right now understands like the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole is deep. And, uh, once yeah. you start, it is, it is difficult to stop. And, uh, it's, you know, you, like you learn about Bitcoin, but you, you, you find Bitcoin, you learn about politics, you learn about economics, you learn about the history of money, you learn about encryption, you learn about, uh, you know, basic command line, you learn about, um, all these valuable principles to life that were not taught. And, uh, you just find yourself on this, like on this journey. And so found Bitcoin, you know, raced down the rabbit hole and then wanted to, wanted to buy some Bitcoin, um, found it difficult to do at the time there were like very few online exchanges or very few opportunities, um, to buy Bitcoin online. Um, so at the end of the day, it was kind of faced with like meet a guy in a back alley or, or wire money to Russia <laughs> to buy, to buy Bitcoin. And, uh, neither felt like awesome options. The back alley felt like the better of the two. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, had about the experience you'd expect from buying Bitcoin from a guy in a back alley and um, kind of thought, Hey, I could do that better. I could, I could teach people about Bitcoin. Um, I'll be the guy in the, in the back alley. And so yeah. I, I would, uh, I would meet people at like Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. We'd have an ice cream and a coffee and we'd chat about Bitcoin and I'd share with them my knowledge and they would ask me questions. I would answer and then they would buy Bitcoin from me. Um, that turned into uh, a Bitcoin ATM journey. So after the world's first Bitcoin ATM was deployed in Vancouver in fall of 2013, um, I was like, ah, oh, this is way better than meeting people. I could just put a machine in the, in the Starbucks and so, or whatever the, the coffee shop was. And so in February of 2014, we deployed um, Alberta's first Bitcoin ATM and then Saskatchewan's first in May of 2014. And then built up a network of Bitcoin ATMs around Western Canada for the next few years. Um, eventually expanded out east. We made a small acquisition in uh, in Ontario in 2019, and uh, today we have over 240 Bitcoin ATMs across across the country. Um, Amazing. Since then, we've also expanded kind of online into more of a like non-custodial online offering as well. So. Um, really, really important to me that users have full control of their Bitcoin journey from start to finish. And um, right now, like the the overwhelming majority, um, dare I say, nearly all places that people buy Bitcoin online, they're doing it irresponsibly and it's not safe. Um, buying Bitcoin through a custodian presents risks that the fiat system introduced that the Bitcoin system, the Bitcoin standard erases. And so we've vowed to our customers and we've and I've made the commitment that we want to always make sure that customer security is like number one. And, and to do that, step one is, is making sure that it's, it's a non-custodial product. Be like, when you go online, you can buy Bitcoin with Interact e-transfer. The money gets sent directly to your wallet um, within like a matter of minutes uh, from when you send the e-transfer. So it's, it's, it's yeah. fastest way. Like there's nothing faster on the market. Um, and it's also by virtue of being non-custodial, the safest way that you can buy Bitcoin online, which is uh, which is great. I'm super proud of what we've built. And I'm excited to kind of continue building that up. So 
what we're working on now is effectively an ecosystem of products that allows people to interact with Bitcoin, however they choose. If it's buy, sell, or use Bitcoin, as broad as that is, um, creating a place so that they can they can feel safe and comfortable doing that with their self custody funds. I love that. When did when did you launch the whole self custody being able to purchase? Uh, On that uh, so we've done like we've done Bitcoin selling for Interaki transfer, and you can pay your bills in Intera- or with Bitcoin on our website for yeah, a couple of years. That. But the yeah. Interact e-transfer, like being able to buy with Interact e-transfer launched um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I think like oh, wow. either late May or early June. Um, so you can buy with Visa Debit or Interact e-transfer at, uh, through that bitcoinwell.com. Um, Amazing. And, uh, yeah, that's something that I've always been like, you know, very skeptical of. We've heard so many of these exchanges. Like was Quadrica around when you first got into Bitcoin? Uh, well, they came around after I got into Bitcoin, after. but, um, but yeah, man, like, yeah, we all know that story and like countless others. And, you know, so right always... now, like, 2022 is a giant ad for non-custodial Bitcoin companies. Like it yeah. is shocking how many people are exposed unknowingly, um, to the, the malice or incompetence of custodial Bitcoin companies. And, and it's, yeah. it's that's, that's terrifying, man. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, um, that, that's definitely a big education piece that I feel a lot of just, you know, regular people interested buying Bitcoin that need to really be aware of on how to properly buy and store and, and, and hold yeah. your Bitcoin. I, I think too, it like people, people for some reason are brainwashed into thinking that they can't hold their Bitcoin. Like, yeah. Why would I want to hold it myself? That seems scary. And, 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 and like, you know, saying that for anything else just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, where do you want your car to live at your house or at the mechanic's house? Where do you want your, your children to yeah. live at your house or at daycare? Like, like yeah. you, you, when you talk about custody of anything, people are like adamant. No, no, no. I am in control. And that's when it's best. But then with money, yeah. where we've all been brainwashed by the fiat system to believe that like, oh, someone else better, better do this for me. Because That's it's, true. It's, it's safer that way. And it, it's and interesting. It, it, yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's very interesting how you describe that. And, and on top of that, I think Bitcoin, it, 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 again, I'm talking for, from the lens of just the average person who just, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't maybe know Bitcoin in, in this crypto space as in-depth as you or I might, uh, or you know way more than I do, of course, but um, for, for people like that, just add the layer of just like complexity around Bitcoin and what it is. And I feel a lot of people get into it just because like they, they, they see something there, but don't really know, um, you know, too many details about it. But yeah, I think that's a huge opportunity to just educate a lot of people. Um, and so that, that's awesome. I, I love how you do that. So, so let's say, I, so if I have my own, like, you know, uh, self uh, custody wallet, like, the I can the the e transfer gets sent directly to my wallet. Is that how it yeah, works? Yeah. So uh, like the workflow is very much um, like you pick the amount of Bitcoin you want to buy. So you want to buy fifty bucks. You want to buy hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, whatever. You then input your Bitcoin address before you even think about sending us money. You gotta <coughs> you send us or you tell us where you want the money, where you want the Bitcoin to go. I then see. we give you your e transfer instructions um, to send money to like, to our, like our email address, your security question and your security answer. But then the best part about it, and, uh, this is, I think this is the cool innovation that you can do with, with, uh, with, with, with self-custodied and and non-custodial products is, um, the second time you use it, you don't actually have to open the Bitcoin well app. Um, you can just go to your bank, send an e-transfer with those same details and you'll see Bitcoin in your wallet in like two minutes. Like before you get the message that your e-transfer has been accepted, you'll see Bitcoin on chain. And, um, it's, it's like, it's honestly the fastest way to buy Bitcoin. And just by nature of it being self-custodied, it is the safest way to buy Bitcoin. So I'm super proud of the team being able to build. That's amazing. Uh, I didn't even know that. And, um, you, you'll see me as a, a new customer of Bitcoin. Well, uh, like that. soon after this, for like sure. That. That, that's yeah, awesome. it's uh, it's it's been a really fun journey. Like, well, it's like it's like anything, right? Like, we're building something that doesn't 
really exist right now. And so it's tar- it's harder, but what comes of it is like greater innovation, right? And, yeah. um, you know, we truly are uh, future-proofing money. And and that's that that's our, our, our mission. Like our value statement is that we want to future-proof money. That's our guarantee to our customers yeah. is that they'll be able to interact with Bitcoin however they, they choose to. And that's, that, and that's, that's what I've been passionate about. Like I've been, you know, I've been in this space for nearly a decade. Um, I see, I, I, I see how important it is for people to be able to access Bitcoin. When we started, it was all about Bitcoin accessibility. And now it's all about Bitcoin interaction. It's like, cause accessibility is here. Like it's, it is safe and easy to buy Bitcoin right now, yeah. relatively speaking. And that, and that's amazing. Um, but then what do you do with it? Right. People, people only buy Bitcoin to sell it later. And that shouldn't be the case. You should buy Bitcoin to save it until you need it. And then when you need it, you should have avenues to be able to use it to your advantage. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot I want to dive into. Um, so, so you're, you're, you're in Edmonton, right? You're based in Edmonton. Yeah. Was your first ATM in Edmonton? Yep, downtown Edmonton at uh, at the Rosen Crown Pub. Um, nice. Which is a uh, yeah, it's a classic here downtown, and uh, it was funny, man. We had like I had like media crews out, and um, I found this like bed sheet that I covered the ATM with, and we did a big like <laughs> bed sheet off. And nice. I had a bunch of paper wallets there, like I printed off paper. So like if you go back into the, like the, the the CTV news archives, you'll see them like recording like the private key like the paper wallets are dead obviously but there's like like the private and public key right on the paper wallets right there um yeah back in the day it was it was pretty fun it was pretty cool awesome did you just start with the one atm or did you have a couple at the same time yeah just the one i we it man and one was a stretch like uh like i didn't like it was very much this is a bootstrap organization and and definitely uh we you know we we grew as fast as we could with the funds that we had uh, so we started with one. A couple months later, we had a second one. Uh, I think maybe four months after that, we did a third one in Vancouver, um, and then kind of grew up, focused mostly in BC and Alberta um, for for growth. We were seeing better traction there, and mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of continued on that on that path. Yeah, and, and you didn't mention so Bitcoin Well is also uh, the world's first publicly traded Bitcoin ATM company. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we went down Bitcoin and like, obviously we're getting absolutely slaughtered in public markets right now. Um, you know, the price of Bitcoin declines, people see our stock and they sell our stock. Uh, but going public was more than about the capital for us. It was about legitimacy. People, people still, even now that we're public, um, don't see this industry and specifically the Bitcoin ATM industry as a legitimate business. And, um, going public kind of forced people to do that, which was, which was good. <coughs> yeah. That's awesome. And How long have you been, are, are you on listed on the TSX? Uh, the venture, the, the TSX V. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when, when did you, uh, officially go public? Uh, exactly 11 months ago. Uh, oh, wow. July, okay. July 30th, 2021, um, which oh, was, nice. and my birthday is on the 29th. Um, nice. so it was like a, it was a big couple of days where yeah. I had a birthday awesome. and then, and then we went public the next day. It was a, it was a good week. Congratulations. That's incredible. Be- before you went public, did you have investors come on or were you just bootstrapped to, to public market or how did that? Yeah, it was all bootstrapped. Um, my father-in-law, um, was, uh, was, was, was the seed capital. So, uh, so he, uh, he was an early shareholder and, um, and then it was just him and I. And, uh, wow. it was, it was uh, yeah, it was like super bootstrapped and, um, that, that's all that, like, you know, good for me. And, and, yeah. and I'd love to say it was because of some great plan that I had, but really it was just the only option. There was no investment yeah. money coming my way. Like amazing. it didn't matter what we did, the profits, nothing mattered. In- investors wanted nothing to do with Bitcoin until very, very recently. And, um, and so as a result, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just him and I. That's great. That's amazing. So I, I I've always uh, thought of like Bitcoin ATMs, like something even I looked into at one point. I, it always just seemed like a very like just clean way to invest in in like an actual, real, legitimate like business that's based around Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, so I'm very curious. Like when you first 
what are the what's the usage like in ATMs? Like on an average ATM, let's just say, like are, are most people buying? Are they selling? Or what, what is that? So our network is mostly buying <clears throat> to the okay. point actually. So uh, we had the ability to sell on our machines about a year and a half, two years ago. And they accounted for less than 10% of our volume and more than 70% of our customer support calls. And so we mm. actually took it offline, totally revamped the entire process. And what was happening was people would try to get 100 bucks out of the machine. The machine would, would, would request you know, a very specific amount of Bitcoin. And the way that the machine was programmed, the way that the software worked, was the machine or the blockchain would then look for that exact amount of Bitcoin to that address. And if the user changed <clears throat> by one Satoshi, if they sent mm. one Satoshi less or more, then the transaction wouldn't work. And, mm. uh, and, and they would be upset. They would be, uh, it would have a negative customer experience. So what we did was we actually took it offline. We spent the year, uh, well, actually about a year and a half, rebuilding um, the ability to sell Bitcoin. And now what we do is we look for transactions. We then prorate uh, the transaction. So the user still gets money. And we explain that whole process throughout the, throughout the journey. So we're just rolling that out now. Actually, we're only testing it on one location in Edmonton. Um, mm. at the, uh, if you have any Edmonton listeners, it's at the, uh, at the Edmonton Airport Mall location. Um, at entrance six, I believe there's a machine there. And so you can go and sell Bitcoin. It works awesome. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's by far the fastest way to get cash for Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, and I'm, yeah, just again, like we saw a big problem, saw that it wasn't a good user experience and then, and then had to like totally rethink how that was going mm -hmm. to work and then spend a, you know, quite a significant amount of time, like yeah. writing that, that software to work that way. Yeah, makes sense. That that's what I would assume too. So so even today, the the trend is the same. Like there's still a lot more people buying. Yeah, yeah. Selling like in general. Like uh, I would say, eighty twenty at most. Like eighty percent of okay. people buying, twenty percent of people selling. Uh, Got it. At most. Yeah. But so and and right now, um, it's just the one ATM where, where it's you can buy and sell. And yeah, but like store. even even across like, um, like if you look on online people buying bitcoin in iraq e-transfer or selling bitcoin and receiving an iraq e-transfer like it's heavily skewed yeah. towards buying yeah that's what i would guess too for sure yeah um so coming into this business i mean obviously uh, you know it's a legitimate business so a lot of regulations and like fintrack here in canada and like kyc and all that how, how has that been with like the regulation side of things like i feel like regulators look at a bitcoin company and you know, almost feel threatened in a way. Yep. Yeah. I think you'd be accurate in, in, in <laughs> saying that. Um, yeah, it was challenging. I think that like really hot going public really highlighted, um, how much education was still to, to happen in the regulation space. Like, mm -hmm. um, we got, we got delayed quite significantly because the, the regulators wanted to, ha had to vet the business and, um, all of their questions, every single one, of their questions were surrounding um, custody of customer funds. And of course mm. we're non-custodial. So they just, and yeah. they didn't, they, they couldn't comprehend that we didn't have customer funds. So they would ask like, where are customer funds held? And we would say nowhere because we don't store customer funds. And they would say, well, well, how do you, how do you do business then? It's like, well, quite simply, we take their money and give them Bitcoin instantly. We don't take it and find an account and then let them buy Bitcoin later. Um, right. and they, they were like, well, how does that even work? It's all digital. How could that be possible? And so we'd have to show them the protocol, show them how the ATM wow. worked. And, um, it was very much like us educating the regulators on what a non-custodial business actually looked like. Cause they just haven't seen it before. Um, yeah. so that was challenging, but it does work out in our favor in the end because regulators are like, they acknowledge that buying Bitcoin from a non-custodial operator is much less dangerous. And so regulators are, are much yeah. less involved in non-custodial businesses than in custodian businesses. Yeah. Have you found like over time, um, the regulators in, in that side, have they sort of like eased up a bit or just more comfortable with, with yeah, the concept? Yeah, or it's still pretty really. We definitely rigid. have a plan. Like when I first started um, in 2014, I called FinTrack or I have an email to FinTrack and I said like, I'm selling Bitcoin at ATMs. 
surely you want me to do something, but I have not been told what to do yet. So please tell me what to do. And their first response back was, as far as we're concerned, Bitcoin is dust and we don't regulate dust. So you're not wow. regulated. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. That's back in, I think that was January of 2014 or 2015 wow. that I got that, uh, that, that <laughs> comment. So that was quite interesting. And then, um, and, and then as we moved, but we always remained compliant. Like I was, it was pretty obvious what was coming. So I was always pretty aware yeah. of, of, of what the regulations were for like adjacent industries. Like, like what, what does a gold broker do? What does a bank need to do? And so we kind of modeled our compliance policies similar to that. Um, and then today, today, like Canada's done a pretty good job of regulations. They've done a pretty good job of like, Hey operators, here's the rule. Here's how you can follow it. And off you go. And so, um, it's more relaxed by the virtue that there's less, less ambiguity, um, which is a benefit for everyone. Yeah. Makes sense. You mentioned, so you actually have a few, um, retail, like I guess retail where people can like come in and like ask questions and stuff. That's pretty cool. How many locations do you have, um, like that? So we have two physical locations, one in Edmonton, one in Calgary, and then we have a virtual option okay. where people can like full on set up a consultation, talk to a Bitcoin specialist, nice. learn about Bitcoin, That's set up cool. a wallet, ask their questions and like really give them that one-on-one -on -one white glove service experience, right? Education is so crucial in this space and like, totally. I mean, I, I, me opening up Binance is scary, like just for me and I'm like a seasoned vet. Yeah. So like, yeah. How does someone who wants to get into this space and learn about Bitcoin feel? Um, so I, I, I would say that it's that's that's arguably one of our biggest differentiators is that people can like call and talk to someone, um, yeah. which is more than you can say for a bank. Funny enough, so it's uh, it is <laughs> it is quite nice to see people leaving feeling empowered. They leave with their hardware wallet. They leave um, feeling like they know more about the money that they are storing and self custodying and and. <clears throat> Um, very rarely does someone leave the office and feel like, oh, I'm never getting into Bitcoin or like, yeah. you know, none of that's amazing, answered, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I, I think it's great for the cause. I love that. I, I tell people the same, like I've been in the tech space now 10 plus years. And I remember when I, I had my hardware wallet, like I was kind of like nervous to plug it in because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. So you can only imagine someone that's, you know, not too technical and wants to get into it, how intimidating it might be um totally what's like the what i'm oh, sorry go ahead i was gonna say it's like plugging like unplugging a hardware wallet has got to be one of the most like intimidating <laughs> things that a human can do. like okay is this thing gonna explode when i unplug it or is are all the coins still gonna be <laughs> still gonna yeah, be on there <laughs> for sure What's I'm curious, like what's like the the uh, traffic, walk-in traffic of just people randomly coming in? Like, do, is it do you have uh, employees stationed there like full time or? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. It's full time. Um, yeah. less it's like it's less less at twenty five thousand dollar Bitcoin than it is at eighty thousand dollar Bitcoin. Um, yeah. But it's like daily. Like people are in the office every single day learning about Bitcoin. Um, Love which it. is great. We run a monthly Bitcoin for beginners class, uh, which is done virtually, um, or, uh, sorry, it's biweekly. Uh, it's every, every, every two weeks is a Bitcoin for beginners class. And we usually get like 50 to 60 people show up to those classes, um, where it's just a presentation. It's walking through Bitcoin, walking through nodes and miners and how the blockchain works and why that's important, how it's decentralized, why decentralization matters. And then lastly, it's about storage of Bitcoin and why you want to store yeah. Bitcoin on your own keys and not in someone else's key. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's those are good classes. Yeah. Awesome. What's what's the... Um... Sticking on this subject, what's the like the long term, like maybe year, two year out plan for Bitcoin? Well, do you um, want want to expand like those locations, like out east more? Or so we're US? we're definitely um, definitely want to get more education focused. I think that education is a big piece of our brand and a big piece of our service offering. Um, we, we built uh, the Bitcoin Academy in partnership with a local university here in Alberta. And you can go to like, if you go to bitcoinwell.com slash learn, you can sign up for the Bitcoin Academy. It's a free university course that that we, nice. we developed. I like 
I walk through um, six modules of like Bitcoin. So education is a big piece for us, I guess is what I'm saying. The plan to expand in-person offices um, is, is difficult because uh, it's like chicken or egg style, right? Do you, do you need an office people come in or do you have an office then people choose to come in and, 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 and finding that balance of making sure that we, that we're responsible, that we're being fiscally responsible with our, with our shareholders money um, while still, you know, pursuing the cause is kind of that, that, that middle ground. So definitely plans mm-hmm. to expand, not, not in the near, like the short term. Uh, but we do have a strategy in place to kind of expand that. Uh, we're just testing out right now, our our Bitcoin Nomad program, which is um, individuals who uh, effectively operate kind of in like a similar way to like what a benefits provider, like a life insurance kind of group would, where they like they back us and they use our brand, they use the benefits that come with our brand, they use our educational resources and all all those benefits, and then they go out and sell Bitcoin, and we facilitate all the compliance burden, the FinTrack burden. Mm. Um, and, and kind of, and obviously fulfilling the transaction. Um, like if someone, if you want to sell Bitcoin to your buddy, it's like, whatever, you got a couple hundred bucks, like you go do that. But if someone wants to buy $3 million worth of Bitcoin, like what are you going to do? Right. And so we give, we give those people our Bitcoin nomads, we give them an outlet to actually go and, and, and sell Bitcoin in that way. So that's, that's, that's been fun. And we just, we just expanded and started that, um, this like in Q2. So it's kind of a new, a new advancement. So that's how we'll be expanding those in-person services for now. Um, but then the plan, like the long-term plan is, is focused around like interaction is the core, right? How do you, yeah. use, how do you interact with Bitcoin? And if you look at like, how do you interact with your money? Well, you like, you earn money, you spend money, you send money to your friends, you invest your money, you save your money. Um, you know, you, you want to trade it from into other currencies. You want to get cash. You want to use it at the coffee shop and all these different ways that you interact with money. We're taking that same concept and building it into, into a Bitcoin standard so that you can hold your wealth in Bitcoin. You can get paid in Bitcoin from your payroll, from your, from your job. You can, you can use your credit card and automatically pay that off with Bitcoin instead of with CAD. Um, we want to encourage and enable people to be able to live on and live with Bitcoin in the, in the safest and, and obviously the easiest way possible. Yeah. I love that. So how do you deal with like being in Canada, the, the tax implications with Bitcoin? So they, they still viewed as like a commodity, right? So any transaction, it's considered capital gains or loss or, or whatnot. So like, how do you like, that's what I would love to see as well. Like just going to the coffee shop, uh, buy a coffee in Bitcoin or a meal or whatever. But technically in Canada, when you do that, like you have to now calculate like a gain or, or loss on yeah disposition of asset. So yeah. so right like in the early stages that's that's tricky because you don't know what the price of Bitcoin you bought at. But when you use the ecosystem, like you know where you're buying Bitcoin at, and then <clears throat> you know what you're selling Bitcoin at. So it is quite an easy calculation when it's all done within the same ecosystem. But mm-hmm. it is a challenge. It's it, that's that's a burden for users that you know is is a tricky one to facilitate. Um, you know the yeah. goal is for us to have a tax report. And, and it's simply like, take all your Bitcoin purchases, all your Bitcoin sales, bunch them together, apply the FIFO method, out it goes. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, our users have only been using the product for a couple of weeks, so that won't be possible for like the short term. Uh, but that's kind of the end goal and how we'll eventually solve that problem. Or even better, tax regulations change and they start treating Bitcoin <laughs> I mean, like money. Yeah, man, that would be obviously that would be like, so good. I don't, I don't know if tax regulations ever get better for consumers. And I think that soon Bitcoin will be looked at as like, oh, if you have Bitcoin, you're rich. So we we must tax you. And I I don't think that taxes will ever get better on, um, on Bitcoin in Canada, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, So any thoughts on, there's been a lot of talks, um, worldwide including canada about uh cbdc central bank uh digital currencies um so you know it's kind of the writings on the wall that's i think that's where it's heading you know very i don't know how soon but clearly that's what governments are pushing towards like does that concern you with like the, the bitcoin atm business like do you see that as a risk potentially or 
No, not free to be I see it as a risk to freedom. Uh, I think CBDCs well, yeah. is is the biggest the biggest and most uh, threatening step towards communism that our country has ever seen. And the second a CBDC is implemented, that'll be the 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 death of freedom. That is the that is the first Agreed. biggest blow and crack to any level of freedom that our society has will be evaporated with a CBDC. So. Um, is it a threat to Bitcoin ATMs? No, frankly, Bitcoin ATMs get a lot more valuable because you can buy Bitcoin instantly with cash. Um, that's like, that's going to be very, very valuable in a CBDC world. Um, and people should and will be, um, fleeing the Canadian dollar or whatever the CBDC equivalent is, uh, into Bitcoin. So I, I do not think that those are a threat to the business. In fact, I think they like help the business, but I do not want that to happen because, um, just for the sake of my own family, for the sake of my friends, for the sake of my parents, like, man, a world that is a world where the money is fully owned and controlled by the state. And then the use of that money is fully owned. Like we're already so close to there. We're already so bad um, here in this country. And a CBDC would just, it just introduces social credit score and, uh, and, and so much, so many, anti-freedom opportunities for the government that is just that would be catastrophic yeah that's a very uh frightening rabbit hole to even think about what the consequences uh, could be for that yeah and the consequences are so great like i mean black mirror like just look at what they like like they 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 go through a cbdc uh or a similar cbdc kind of idea and it would be it would be oh man it would be catastrophic it would it would like if the government the government already tells us what we can and cannot spend our money on right they tell us what we can and cannot do in our homes to 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 a certain extent um and 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 i think that for the most part we found a way to navigate that within the bounds and within the confines of of our government but if they start telling us you know, you can't eat certain foods on certain days. You can't get gas because you didn't do this thing that we needed you to do. Yeah. Um, and that's what a CBDC does. That's that's what has the ability to do. Um, it like, you know, the banks are not doing anyone any favors by any stretch of the imagination, but at least they're a private business that is in between the government and its citizens. A CBDC would eliminate that private business between government and citizen and uh, give government full control. And we've like, yeah. obviously the banks crater to government, right? Look at no further than the, the, the truck thing, like yeah. a few months ago. Um, and the banks catered to that. The banks froze those mm-hmm. accounts. 2000 yeah. bank accounts were frozen illegally. Um, but like, imagine if the government could snap their finger <laughs> and do that. To anyone that they disagreed with, yeah, um, the precedent has been set. So you know, it's that, not, man, uh, if you do something the government disagrees with, even if it's legal, uh, mm-hmm. we will take this action, which is terrifying. Yeah, concerning for sure. Um, so, do you see, like, you know, you, you're seeing China like uh, banning Bitcoin, making transacting in Bitcoin illegal, and like, I think. India as well like do you how do you see that um, like on just like a, a macro level and and how that could impact Bitcoin like do you see do you think governments like on a global scale coming together can ever like totally shut down Bitcoin no um, do you know how many times China has banned Bitcoin I feel like I, I see a new headline every 13 times China. How many times has heroin been banned? Do you think like it's one time because when you ban something that can actually be like banned, it happens once. Uh, but when there's like every six months, there's a new headline that China is banning Bitcoin. It's like, it just highlights how unbannable Bitcoin is. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and I think too, that like, if you, if I, me as a Bitcoin entrepreneur and being a Bitcoin entrepreneur for the last decade, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm constantly evaluating where's the best place for my business to be. And like Canada is like, you know, it's, is it looking like the best choice for the long term? Yeah. Probably not. Um, but do you know what's definitely not is China, right? Definitely not is India, is Europe. Like, like the Bitcoiners will go 
to wherever they need to be to thrive in this new environment. And so if you're in China and you care deeply about Bitcoin, you probably aren't going to live in China for very long. Um, just like if you're in China and you care deeply about privacy, you probably aren't going to live in China very long. If you're yeah. in like, if you're in BC and you care deeply about oil, you're probably going to move to Alberta because that's where the oil industry is going to thrive. Um, and, and, and I feel like we as individuals need to take control, need to be sovereign enough to take control of like, what do we care about? And then flock to societies that, that enable us to, to be passionate about those things. And so, um, like it means that China will fall, right? Um, unless China is playing the long game and they're just buying as much Bitcoin as humanly possible, which would be a good move if you're into owning the world. Um, which I think China is into that. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's like a threat to, to Bitcoin anyway. In fact, it makes me like, it makes me want to need more Bitcoin. Yeah, that's true. I, I agree with that. So where, where do you see like a lot of uh, like the Bitcoin community um, flocking to like Central America, like El Salvador? Yeah, it's Central like America. Um El Salvador is an interesting experiment. I think like the Bahamas, like it's, it's places that it's places that are second world, third world in some cases, yeah. um, <clears throat> places where the government is not punitively taxing those that are smart enough to get into Bitcoin. And it's places that are not like what Europe is doing with, um, with custodied wallets is appalling. Um, effectively making it illegal to have a, a non-custodial service in Europe. Um, it is just appalling. And uh, um, I think that we should be very, very aware of, of what's happening around the world. And like the first world countries are built on government control and then letting the citizens do what the government thinks is, is good enough. Second and third world countries have a lot more control over their citizens and they're now seeing opportunities to like, hey, if we give certain industries a head start in this country, we can be prosperous in the future. And this idea of control, like you think about how quickly the government lost control of communication, right? With the advent of the internet, like every single piece of long distance communication went through the government 50 years ago. Every single letter, every single piece of communication, long distance was done to the government. And then the internet came in and they lost that control. Now there's end-to-end -end encryption. It's like, good luck. Um, and th that same shift is happening rapidly with money. Um, but they're obviously like worried about that. And, and, um, and I think that their response to it, rather than like, we should adopt a new way to be, to be, to, to thrive. Um, what they're doing is they're trying to grasp on to the little amount of control that they still have. And they're going to shoot themselves in the foot by doing that. Well, in, in Canada, they're trying to take that back bill C 11 with this new, uh, yeah. Like so. the, the, uh, uh, like mandating how much Canadian, uh, content has to be, um, like moved through. Yeah. Essentially like it's, it's, it's an amendment to, uh, it's expanding the CRTC's role now into the internet, which essentially polices, you know, what people can post and consume. All it is does is hurt users. All it does is hurt the end user, right? That's all any regulation does is, is hurt the end user. They have the illusion of protection, but on the grand scale, all the regulation does is hurt the end user, whether it be through a less good product or less innovation of that product. And uh, yeah, man, we're seeing it, we're seeing it happen in, in droves right now. Um, yeah. of governments grasping on to whatever control they might think they have yeah. and doubling down on, you know, govern these people harder. Like, oh, these people don't want to be governed. They're unhappy. What should we do? Govern them harder. It's like, it's like <laughs> the opposite response would be the most appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Um, I, I'm wondering, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on uh, like just today's economy and what's going on. Like at least to me and a lot of others I speak to, uh, this feels like 
like a much different downturn recession, call it, than in 2008 or, or in previous ones um, for many different reasons. But how, how are you feeling about just the overall economy right now and in, in how you see in how, uh, you know, how, how does Bitcoin well assess the next 12 to 24 months, call it, and just overall um, the economy right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually writing a blog post about this. Um, like we're seeing a pretty radical shift in the public markets anyways. And when money was cheap, people wanted growth at all cost. It was like, here's a bunch of free money, go grow as fast as possible. Um, and what we resulted in was a very few amount of, or a lot of companies doing weird things unsustainably. And now we're undergoing this like massive shift. And that's been for like a, a decade that's been happening. And now this shift is going to force organizations to shift that mindset from grow at all costs to be sustainable and, and then grow within that sustainability. So we're likely going to see um, stronger companies, but fewer companies as a result of that. Um, as far as the money goes and as far as the economy goes, like we're in for pain. Like there's no way to sugarcoat that when you act irresponsibly with money for decades, um, there's two ways out death or pain and pain is better than death. So, um, the lesser of two evils is going to be some economic, economic pain. Uh, this does feel different than 2008. Um, maybe it's cause I'm older. I was like 15 in 2008. So, um, didn't really yeah. pay too much attention to, <laughs> well, I paid, I paid attention, yeah, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't on like, I wasn't yeah. reading all the articles and wasn't like researching the policies. Um, yeah. but I, I do think that right now we, are going to start like we're going to start seeing more problems um, in like in manufacturing, more problems with like variable prices. Like you know, you, people's knock on Bitcoin is it's volatile, but like our world is volatile, man. Like mm -hmm. go buy an Apple every week for the next four months and tell me if you ever pay the same price. Like True. period. Yeah. Go get ten liters of gas every week for the next month for the next five months and tell me like, you know, what is the difference? Like it's yeah. crazy. Um, we're going to continue seeing this volatility in our world, I think. And uh, we're going to need to embrace it. And I, I think, I think we're in for one more bailout. Um, but if you notice like, like death spirals come fast and bigger every, every cycle. And like, you know, the first death spiral was like in the thirties and then we got all the way to the seventies before we needed like another big bailout. And then it was like 2001, but that was because of terrorists. So that's fine. And then it was 2008, but the banks got bailed out. And so that was fine. Now it's 2022. Like this is our third one in two decades. Like, woof. Yeah. how many more death spirals can, can, can we withstand here? Um, and, and I, and I just, I wonder when the last one will be. Yeah, I think it, for me, it feels different. Like, um, I think we're, we're, we're swimming through like uncharted waters, like unprecedented times in a lot of ways yeah. with just with, with everything that's happening. I think we could be possibly living through like an economic shift and like uh, in the global reserve currency, like we could see potentially a collapse of the USD uh, not really hold its uh, dominance globally, like demand for USD, we can already see is, is decreasing, uh, has been decreasing for quite some time. That's just accelerating now. So, you know, my, my thinking is like what, what, and you can study history, like fiat currencies have never uh, sustained. They all, you know, there's always shifts in, in economic powers and maybe we're living uh, through one right now, potentially. So my thoughts is uh, what happens to, to, to assets and like what assets should you hold? And uh, to me, that's why I'm so gravitated towards Bitcoin because I can't think of a, a better solution right now than Bitcoin. No, like 
like Bitcoin in and of itself is not useful um, except for the fact that it represents all useful things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. if, if I was having this conversation with a buddy last night, like if, if, what do you need to live? Like, let's go back to basics. You need shelter, you need food, you need water, right? Basics. Um, if you are not working in a shelter, food or water industry, then, uh, like you need a way to create value and then buy shelter, food or water because you can't produce it yourself. And so how are you going to do that? Well, if you are a podcaster and you can sell somebody airtime to, you know, to, to advertise their green juice or whatever, then, you know, you better hope that green juice company can buy you a house or can, can, can buy you a dinner at the end of the, at the end of the thing. But like, if they don't, it, it, green juice, maybe like a good example, cause you could like drink the green juice, but, but if you wanted a steak, then like, they would need to give you some medium of exchange to then go to the steak company to buy steak or yeah. to the butcher and buy steak. And so when you think about, well, what is a representation of those valuable things? And then like in, in history, it's been like fiat, like, you know, grab a gold coin, grab a, grab a, grab a piece of paper that represents a gold coin, grab a piece of paper that represents nothing. Um, and that's fine. But then what you run into is like, you get paid on Thursday, you want to eat on Friday, but the money you got on Thursday is not worth as much as it is on Friday. So now we're getting into some problems. And what we need is back to that hard sound, sovereign money kind of uh, economy, which is what's going to be, uh, which is the Bitcoin standard. And you get paid in Bitcoin, you then are secure that your wealth, your value that you've created with your talents, with your time are going to maintain uh, uh, it's, it's value. So you can go to the steak shop and buy, buy steak in three days, in five days, like back in like, I think it was like the 13 or the 1400s when people will go to the bars on Friday night, they would order all of their drinks at the beginning of the night because they were less expensive because the money would just get so much worth or worth so much less as the night progressed. Um, that's crazy. Like that's like an extreme case of hyperinflation, yeah. but like, are we that far away from that right now? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. It's uh, that's why I'm saying it's, it's, I think everyone's just trying to figure this out. And that's, that's my hope with this podcast right now is like speak to people like yourself sort of um, aligned with, with the thinking and just trying to figure, figure this whole thing out and, and, and assess where things are going. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah. I think like, yeah, what assets are going to be valuable? And the the answer is like anything that can produce value or anything that can represent something that produces value. And frankly, that's like land, Bitcoin, and animals. <laughs> I think as far as as far as Man. I'm concerned, that's like let's pretty what, much. What about real estate? Would you put real estate in there? Just real estate's a tricky one, and 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 so is land because like who owns it? Like you own your house, but you got to pay taxes on it, and who tells you what the tax bill is? Not yeah. you. So if you own your house and then you got a fifty thousand dollar tax bill coming at you, and last year it was ten, like is that a good asset? And then what happens? The government says, "Oh, don't worry, we'll buy that from you um, and alleviate your tax." your property tax bill or the government has with a letter and just says, Hey, by the way, tomorrow morning, there's a bulldozer coming here. You better get out of the house. Like, yeah, we've seen government steal land before. We will probably see government steal land again. That's true. That's true. Um, the whole like debt relief concept, I can totally see coming into play. It's like, yeah, we'll take care of your, your property tax bill, but, uh, you know, sign up for this uh, CBDC here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or worse, uh, if you don't give us your house, your money won't work. <laughs> here's a bank with all the CBDC in it that you could ever want. Here, here's your wallet. Off you go. Uh, but you got to give us uh, your house. And uh, by the way, your other wallet is not going to work until you do. <laughs> yeah. Do you see uh, Bitcoin like um, sort of? 
not being as so volatile, just really like stabilizing? If so, when? How? Mm. I I don't know. I don't know that we've ever had anything stable in our world ever. Um, like one Bitcoin has always been one Bitcoin, which is not what you could say about the dollar. Um, one liter of gas is always one liter of gas, but you can go a lot further with one liter of gas right now. So in argument, gas is getting less valuable, right? It's getting, it's costing more money, but it's getting less valuable because like, Mm -hmm. well, I can drive a thousand, you know, what do I get? 17 liters per kilometer in my, in my truck. Um, like, and so, and so what back in the day they got like 30 liters per hundred kilometers, like, um, you know, and then, you know, I have an electric vehicle as well. So I can like, I think I, I don't know what the exact conversion is because I'm tracking electricity, but like gas turns into electricity. So, but it's, it's, it's a lot more efficient that way, right? Like mm-hmm. I can use whatever, 10 liters of electricity and charge my car to go 500 kilometers. So like you could argue that, you know, gas is volatile from both a usage perspective and a cost perspective. What about food? Like, Fertilizer is costing 300% more this year than last year. Property tax is up 40% this year from last year. So what is that going to do to our food? It'll make it volatile. So it's like this illusion that money is stable is just that. It's it's an illusion. Fair point. How do you see uh, gold fitting into this like do, do you own any gold like are you sort of bullish on it i mean historically it's it's been around it still is and i just don't know what the use is for gold like the argument behind gold is is one of two things it's like uh it has value and therefore it makes good money but that's like not super true because like what is we actually like our team was talking about this last week. Like what is the actual value prop for gold? Like it's using a lot of things, but how much gold is in like an iPhone, an iPad? And like, what is the actual, like what's the, what's the total supply of gold, the total usage of gold. And there's a calculation that can be done to give us like the actual cost per ounce of gold based on the value that it creates. If you want to look at what's valuable, like oil is much more valuable than gold, obviously. Um, it does a less, it does, so it, it doesn't have an extraordinary, like it's more useful than Bitcoin gold is for sure. Um, less useful than oil, more scarce than oil. So there's a calculation that we could probably do. And then the, like, it's not good money because we don't know how scarce it is. You can't divide it very easily. You can't validate it very easily. You can't transfer it very easily. So like, doesn't do a very good job of being money, which means by default, you have to trust someone. It's very difficult to have a fully self-custodied, financially sovereign individual with just gold in your pocket. Um, I had a guy on, uh, I do this talk show uh, like once a month or so with this, uh, this radio in BC. And this guy was like, if I had a gold coin in my pocket, I could do a lot more with it than Bitcoin. It's like, well, no, because you'd need your like scale. You'd need your validity, like gold authenticating machine, whatever the magnet thing or whatever the electrode thing was. Mm-hmm. You need a knife to like carve out your your shillings. Mm-hmm. And then you'd need to hope that the other person trusts all of your equipment. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. like how useful is that? Where I can like, like you send me Bitcoin right now, I can verify that it's real Bitcoin and exactly how much I got in like a millisecond. So like gold is, gold was a useful tool because of certain properties, but I feel like Bitcoin, Bitcoin doesn't, like Bitcoin doesn't need to have tangible use because it does such a good job of being sound money. Gold doesn't do a great job of being sound money. So it falls back on its tangible use. Um, but I like gold will probably be fine. Um, but I think that like 
principally speaking, Bitcoin is a is a is a better store of value and a better money case than 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 gold. Yeah. I have similar like thoughts and questions surrounding gold as well. I think the 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 bulk of it is really just being just the societal acceptance over hundreds of years that gold has yep. just been known to be this this metal that holds value and like you should possess it as an asset to preserve your wealth. But I feel over the long term, you can sort of see like the younger generation coming up, like metaverse, like their world is online and. Um, like really valuing digital assets like NFTs, whether, you know, what your thought on NFTs is, is whatever, but like a lot of people are, are valuing these digital assets. So I know seeing that this is the world where it's heading, like the younger kids, like living their identities on in the metaverse and like, you know, potentially like an avatar is like who you're perceived to be in, in real life. It, like, where's like, I don't see a place for gold for like this new upcoming generation if that makes sense yeah yeah i i totally agree with you i think that um yeah i think that it's going to be interesting to see how how the next generation interacts with gold will be very telling to its 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 future um but again like is it money or is it useful and the best money isn't useful and the best things to use aren't money so gold is like Gold was a good middle ground for both those things, but I don't. I think that we're we've we've advanced and evolved as a society now that we don't actually need those things. What about uh, like stable coins backed by gold? Why? Like, what do you what do you want that for? Like, do you want to trust someone else to hold the gold? Gold trust that the gold is there so they can give you an IOU backed by that gold. Like, haven't we done that in 1930? And it like didn't work. That's that true. Good? Been there, um, done that. Yeah. <laughs> like what's, what's the point? Like they're stable. They're as stable as the gold reserves, which like gold is not stable. Like gold's volatile. Um, but then you like, so you eliminate, it's like you've eliminated all the use from owning gold. You've added better properties of money but if you just want money, then just buy Bitcoin. <laughs> like, I guess, yeah, you're right. It's, I guess that's, it's a definition of crazy. It's like, at the end of the day, you're still trusting a, a third party to make sure they, they have the gold. They, you can, you know, yeah, like, are, they doing gold your, reserves? are you like watching yeah. them? Like, how are they copper? Are they gold plated copper bars? Uh, if you have yeah. three tons of gold, what if there's a fire? Like, are you insuring it? Is that a cost? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just buy Bitcoin. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so what's, what's next for, uh, for Bitcoin? Well, uh, so next? you're going to continue to see us improve. I think the online product, um, we're, uh, we're working hard on usability. So, um, easy ways to like, like you can pay your credit card bill in like three minutes right now with, with us, which is good. It's pretty fast. But like you should be able to do more with that. Peer to peer transfers are going to be important. Um, but I think the most important piece that we're going to come out with in the next like 12, 24 months is going to be the ability to spend Bitcoin virtually anywhere um, without the merchant needing to accept Bitcoin. Like right now, there's like you can spend Bitcoin, but it's like sell your Bitcoin, preload a fiat card, and then go spend the fiat. Um, I want to yeah. be able to sell to to spend Bitcoin instantly uh, through something of a tap card method. And that's kind of our, nice. that's our, that's our nice. next product. And then in the short term, obviously we'll be like, we're looking forward to, I think, figuring out how to reward early customers and how to reward early users. Um, whether that be through like a membership program, whether it be through like our, our product is already um, incredibly cheap Um to use, but, uh, figuring out a way to make it like free, um, or at least included, like taking the Costco business model of like Costco doesn't make any money on their products. They make it all in their memberships. And that's the way that we want to go. Like our product yeah. should look and feel like a bank account that gives you full control where you pay 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month or whatever the end up the membership. Maybe it's maybe you pay, you know, uh, hundred thousand sats a month or something like that. And, mm. and you get unlimited access to all of our products. Um, 
right there. And that's kind of what we're working on building a product to warrant. So you need a, you need a good product first. We have a good product, yeah. but it's like a single product. We got to, we got to integrate and interact more with that product. I love it. I love it. I should have asked this earlier, but are, are you a developer or like what's, no, I'm horribly uneducated and like, okay. I'm the stupidest guy in this building, man. Um, uh, I just, uh, I just have the crazy ideas and then, and then, and then we, nice. uh, we get the people, uh, Love the it. team does a really good job of like interpreting those crazy ideas. They, they turn it from <laughs> Adam speak into like English and then they, nice, and then they, nice. they, they, they roll through it. Um, but no, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like high school Got educated it. and yeah. uh, found Bitcoin and fell in love. How big is your team right now? Uh, we're at thir- right maybe 30 people or, nice. or so right now. Is everyone based in Canada or like global? Uh, we've got, Everyone's we've got two, three team members in Calgary, um, one in Kelowna, but everyone else is Edmonton. Nice. Nice. Awesome. And uh, I guess you're public. Do you do this like revenue numbers? Yeah. Yep. So we did... Last year we did ninety nine point six million dollars, so I was a little it just just oh, shy of hundred million. So oh, <laughs> definitely striving for that that hundred mark this year. Nice. Um, but uh, um, yeah, last so we've been growing like at a quite a good clip. Like um, two years ago we were at forty two million. Last year we did ninety nine. Um, so we've seen quite good growth. Wow, um, nice. We'll we'll hopefully continue to see that good growth and um, like our online product like it's it's early days like the actual product in its itself um, the e, the e transfer just went live a few weeks ago we had Visa debit for a few months before that and we're growing at like three hundred percent a month right now which has been awesome wow um, so it's 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 early days but definitely encourage like go to bitcoinwell.com. Um, oh sorry all good. Figure out how to... um, go to bitcoinwell.com, make an account, um, and uh, and kind of like you know buy Bitcoin in the fastest and safest way possible. Like it's like it's literally minutes. Like it's so fast. Bitcoin on chain. We're we're big here about stacking Bitcoin on chain, which is I think yeah, the most important and, and and the the, the safest way to, to to buy yeah. Bitcoin. Uh- Sorry, I'm just thinking like random business questions now. Do you see a lot of our um, acquisitions in your growth path as well? Because you see a lot of like uh, other Bitcoin operators. Are you eyeing any of those? Or yeah, we we've done or ATM operators. Sorry, we've done six acquisitions. Um, oh, really? In the okay. Past. Yeah. Um, nice. We will probably continue to do more. Um, it's tough to buy businesses in the upswing because everyone thinks their business is more valuable than it actually is. And, um, like the most frustrating conversation is like, why would I sell for that price when I will just make that over the next five years? And it's like, well, you won't because you'll have to invest. Like, like a lot of assumptions there. There's a lot of assumptions in there. (laughs) And like, you know, three, four months ago, revenues probably look a lot different for those people than they do now. (laughs) Would now be a good time to swoop in and look at Now's the time that we can like actually, they're actually, you know, you know, a little bit here, like we're having our, like our acquisition strategy, like we're setting the stage to go out and start hunting. Um, Because now is the time where there's opportunities where people need to do down rounds, the investors have pulled out, et cetera. Um, do you, sorry, an, another question I have now, do you, do you see a lot of growth coming from the actual, like the volume of each ATM or do you notice like those sort of just stabilize and sort of, you know, um, max out? yeah, like an ATM once it kind of like after, after it's kind of ramp up period, you kind of know what an ATM is going to be for its, for its lifetime. And some locations are better than others, obviously. Um, but you kind of, once you do that ramp up period, that's, you know, you that's you kind of know what an ATM is gonna 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 look like for its lifetime. What's the average like volume of, that an ATM does in like a standard? Dude, it's crazy. Location? Some machines do like four or five grand a month, and some do a hundred. <laughs> it's like, really? yeah, it's uh, it's totally hit or miss. We it depends on the location primarily. Totally, totally. We had one machine one year do five hundred grand in a month. What? Uh, Where was that one? Crazy. 
Yeah, it was in Edmonton. In Edmonton. In like a mall or a cafe. In a, in a cafe. In a, in a in a coffee shop. Yeah. Wow, I would have never guessed that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's shocking, man. It's like you really, really, um, you really, you you try and like you you find things that work and double down. And like the cafe didn't work because it was a cafe. It worked because it was like had good hours, had good parking, was a safe location. People felt good yeah. there. Like you know, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of reasons. So you replicate that, right? It's not like yeah, not all cafes are equal, right? True. Um, yeah. That's and so true. you got to find what's working, why it's working, yeah. and then double down on that notion. Are, are the margins better on ATMs or like the online? Oh, ATMs. Uh, ATM, it's, it's yeah. quite a bit more expensive to buy Bitcoin from an ATM. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a convenience fee associated with it. Um, and there's a, and it's because there's like, there's different protocols for the ATM versus, versus online, right? Online, there's a huge fraud risk. Um, and so there's like lower transaction volumes. And it's like full, um, like we got to, we got to obviously like verify every ounce of where the money's coming from, from a fraud perspective, right? At the ATM, like you're putting cash into the machine. um, And we've got to, like, we've got certain compliance um, regulations that we have to follow. um, But it's like, it's a, it's a lot more tiered and a lot more scaled. Um, Like the workflow can be a lot different than, than online, just because of the nature of where the money, like not like not where the money originated, but like how the money is being transferred to us. Cash in the machine is a lot less risky. Um, And so it's just a different, it's a different product and a different, a different experience. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Adam, I want to thank you again for the time, man. Uh, I know we're, uh, we're talking over an hour now, so I really appreciate it. Um, this was really fun. I hope we can do it again. And I hope, uh, more importantly, a lot of I hope people listening um, just learn, got something out of this and uh, maybe pique their interest to do start doing their own research. Go on BitcoinWell.com. A uh, lot of amazing resources and education, which I'll also be checking out as well. So uh, appreciate the time. Love what you're doing and continued success. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Definitely. Uh, let me know if you have any, uh, questions or feedback and, um, everyone like, uh, you know, hit me on Twitter, um, at Adam O'Brien underscore any questions, feedback. I, uh, we're, we're open book and we want to make sure that we're building a product that make people feel safe buying Bitcoin. So, uh, we want to hear from the users. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Thanks so much, Adam. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.